0: Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Tony, I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, man, we are just, just small plug. Um, I've been serving the youth for a minute now. Um, there's something special happening on Wednesday nights here at our church. And um, I'll just say this, it's just, we this is the largest attended services I've ever seen. And that's in a pandemic. Yes, we're all wearing masks and sanitizing and, uh, God is doing something outrageous here on Wednesday night. So if you're, if you're a young person, you're here with us, you're watching online, come hang out with us. We're, I promise we're not like a weird youth group, eat Cheetos and, I don't know, talk about our feelings. Uh, no, we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, uh, I want to thank Pastor Brandon and Die for the opportunity today. I know they're on their sabbatical. They say hello. They love you all. They miss you all. Uh, but before we move on, before we do anything, I want to address... The elephant in the room. Thank you. Uh, Let's go, Pastor Jonathan. Let's go, my man. I want to address the election. I want to, I got, I got something to say about it. Uh, (laughs) I don't have a Twitter, but I got something to say about it. I will say this. There are many of you watching online and many of you in this room probably feeling an array of emotions and I don't know where you find yourself on the spectrum, maybe it feels defeated, maybe it feels hopeful or encouraged, wherever you find yourself today, I'm just going to say this, our assurance has never been in a man. Our assurance has always been in the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, our King, our Savior. Uh, I, I say this to Donald Trump, thank you for your service. To Joe Biden, congratulations. I will pray for you. I will pray for our nation. We will move forward because as a body of believers, our hope is not in our president. Our hope is in Jesus. So let's keep going and let's fight the good fight. We're not going to get bogged down and tied down to this. We are kingdom minded humans. Let us live like that. If you're taking notes, write this down. Title of my talk today is who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Um, We are in the middle of our Exodus series. It's been amazing. Last week, Pastor Morgan did a phenomenal job talking about the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. And uh, if you didn't watch that, go back, listen to it again. Uh, And today, I'm going to be reading out of Exodus chapter 15. This is um, one of the, what theologians believe, one of the oldest recorded songs ever. It is a song of deliverance and praise. It is the Israelites celebrating. God has just parted the Red Sea. They have walked right through it, and now they're going to the promised land. Like, there's just, there's some momentum here. Um, They're in awe, they're in wonder, and they're excited. So go ahead. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, I brought mine. It's on the screen, and I'll share it with you. Exodus 15, verse 1 says this. Is it on there? Praise God, it is. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray. I just believe the scriptures say this, if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us, that this is a morning I believe God wants to speak to us today. Let's speak. Lord, uh, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do today. We thank you, God, that you are king, first and foremost, that, Lord, we love you, we serve you, and that, God, today, would you speak to every heart, would you change everything. Every life, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. Be with our pastors as they are on sabbatical, Lord. Speak to us today for those watching online, touch their hearts as well. In your name, amen. 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 Uh, by just show of hands, anyone enjoy doing group projects at work and in school? Okay, I can't see anything because the light, I'm assuming no. So, uh uh, I'll be honest, I'm kind of a lone rider when it comes to group projects and whatnot. Uh, I think group projects are, wherever you find yourself believe, I just, I would rather just get the work done myself show up to thank you show up to the presentation and just say all right here's the presentation here's what it is and i did all the work you're welcome and uh i don't forget i was in a local community college around here and i was studying political science and one of my poli sci classes they put us in a group of four of us and we had to do a powerpoint presentation on economics in el salvador economics in El Salvador. Praise God for El Salvador. So the way I studied El Salvador is I went to a local El Salvadorian restaurant and ate chicken, and it was glorious. And uh, I had a great time. I didn't learn much, but I ate a lot of food. And um, regardless, I, uh, no, no one in my group was helping. Nobody. And I mean, not an inch of participation. So I decided I will make the PowerPoint. And when we go to present it, I will make a statement regarding my colleagues. So we go to present the presentation. It's beautifully made because it was on Power, PowerPoint, PowerPoint, Michael Scott reference. And I made it on PowerPoint and, um, and I, I give the presentation. And at the end of the presentation, the professor goes, this was very well done. I'd say, Professor, I'd like to say something. My fellow colleagues here did not participate at all. And I made all these slides. To which then my professor determined to give me an F. She failed me because she said my pride got in the way of the presentation. To, thank you. To which I said to her, okay, and got very upset and then found myself my junior and senior year of college online and went to Bible school. So I uh, <laughs> went to Bible college. The Lord called me out of UW for a good reason. Uh <laughs> he thought, no, no, that place ain't for him. Um, I've learned, though, thus far in life, if we could just, can we just get honest and vulnerable this service? Online, can we get honest? We uh, like to receive some praise or glory at some point. Amen? Don't we, like, sometimes want the credit? Don't we sometimes want to uh, maybe even look good in the eyes of others, and we we worry about our image or whatever that may be? And I want to talk today about glory. If you're taking notes, the title of my talk, like I said, is Who gets the glory? Glory is simply defined as this, it's praise or honor or distinction extended by common consent. You see, glory can have multiple meanings. It can mean some other things. One of them being you could see the glory of God in the natural, with physical and natural objects. For instance, you look at the mountains and they show the glory of God. You look at the stars, they show the glory of God. Humans, we embody and exhibit the glory of God. We are created by Him and for Him. So we show the glory of God. The glory of God is primarily manifested in the presence of God. It is His character. It's His attributes. It is His characteristics visibly expressed. It's His weight being seen. Um, and, uh, some people describe it as, it's like a weightiness. Like you could feel, like you walk into a room, you feel like the weight, man. There's something, something thick and tangible here, man. This is like the presence of God, Um Glory, though, is not only just manifested in the presence of God, it's exhibited in the lives of us, his creation, the thing he cares for the most. Ultimately, though, in life, we will elevate someone and lift someone up. That person might be us, that person could be Jesus, that person could be a politician, but ultimately, we will elevate and lift someone up. I would like to, from now, just bury the lead. Can I give you the main point of the talk today? Can we just, uh, three points, no points, whatever. I'm just going to bury the lead from now. All the glory of this life belongs to Jesus Christ. All the glory belongs to Jesus. My existence, my purpose, my calling is to bring him glory. Not look at me, but look at him. Look at what God could do through me. But why? Because he is the one doing it. It is God. All the glory to him. We want to just lift the name of Jesus. We make him the one we focus on. Uh, Notice this in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says this about you and I. He claims that you and I are the salt and the light of the earth. You know what that says? You have influence. It says you were born with significant value in the eyes of God. You have value. Yes, you might be stuck behind a Zoom or on Teams or maybe uh, not in person, but that doesn't mean you no longer have influence or value. You still have value. He said this in five sixteen, Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Notice he doesn't say, do good stuff so people could give you a round of applause. Do good stuff so people could say, what a great person. Do good stuff so they could see me, so they can know me, so they could come to relationship with me. What does does actual glory mean? look like I think if we read the song of deliverance from Exodus 15 if we dive deeper I believe there are three uh, different people who could receive glory ultimately we know Jesus receives glory God is the victor but let's let's dive in a little bit you guys with me are we alive have we had coffee need more praise God first person who could have got glory, who wanted glory, was Pharaoh. I believe Pharaoh represents in our lives the opposition and the challenges of life. Uh, Exodus 15.9 in the song says this, The enemy boasted, So, this is Pharaoh. I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder them and consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. Think about this for a moment. Let's just envision, let's dream. You've been oppressed, you've been a slave in a country that's not yours. You want freedom. You want to taste and see what freedom looks like. And God finally says, I'm going to give it to you. And here you are. And you see all your fellow countrymen, a huge, vast body of water. And you think, God, we're doomed. And not just do you see the vast body of water, but you hear your enemy behind you taunting, booing you, I've got you, where's your God? I am your God, this, the, the Pharaoh was a narcissist, he believed he was a God in human form, he, he thought he was God, he, he's chanting at them, he's yelling at them, he's uh, complaining to them, he's uh, hurting them, Pharaoh wanted the glory of the story, he wanted to defy God, he wanted to defy the Israelites, He wanted to belittle Moses. He wanted to prove that he somehow deserves praise. He is the clear opposition between freedom and promise and the current situation. Notice though, even at the end of this chapter, we know God performs the miracle. He parts the Red Seas. Even if you did not grow up going to church, you've heard the story or you've watched Bruce Almighty. But God has parted the Red Seas Exodus 15, 22 through 25, after the song is finished, after Miriam is done singing, Pastor Di is going to preach about this next week. Notice this. The Israelites have now been wandering for three days in the desert, and they're complaining because they're parched. They are thirsty. They're like, Lord, we need water. There's no water here. Moses, this is awful. Why'd you bring us out here? We're we're thirsty. And notice how it says this uh, in verse 23. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too was too uh, bitter to drink. So the people called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Look at this. We look at the story. We already know how it ends. God just rescued them and delivered them from the Red Sea. Here they are only three days later saying, God, we're parched. We need water. We're dying out here. And I believe, though, in life, you and I can relate to the Israelites. We can. At least I know I can. Sometimes I find myself, and maybe you do too, giving glory to the problems and the opposition of my life, rather than to the God who conquers these problems, who conquers the opposition, I sometimes glorify the mountain rather than the God who forms mountains. We sometimes give glory to this when we know who's the one who ordains the journey. Think about this, our day-to-day problems, they get hard. And we make mountains out of, out of our problems. Maybe you're struggling financially. You, you have a financial burden. Maybe, maybe you've lost your job. or You're trying to figure out how to make some more money in this season. Maybe there's a tension in your marriage where there's missed, uh, missed expectations and communication might be lacking or wherever you might be. Uh, maybe, just maybe, you could be enduring the consequences of the decision you and I made or there's a cycle of complaining. See, so much of the habits and approaches to life really, I feel, glorify the opposition and the problem. We glorify the hardship and not the one who just ordains the journey. You ever notice how sometimes problems in our lives are self-produced? Maybe y'all are perfect. I'm not. Um, Sometimes my problems are my fault. Here's what I've learned about decisions. I haven't been alive that long. I know I look 45, but I'm 29. And uh, every time I think about my baldness, I just get so frustrated. Um, Rogaine, what a joke. Uh, I think about this. Every decision in life has good, bad, and ugly. Every decision has a consequence. Good, bad, and ugly. For instance, Let's say you love ice cream. I love ice cream. My wife and I, we go to salt and straw twice a month. Maybe you love Tillamook ice cream, Tillamook mudslide. My God, that is obviously Jehovah Jireh right there providing for you. But let's say you are lactose intolerant and you eat a pint of ice cream. There's a bad decision coming your way or there's a bad consequence coming your way or you enjoy suffering, whatever that may be. Um, And I've noticed this though, at sometimes in our lives, we as Christians sometimes use this line often. I've found myself saying it, and before you get all frustrated about my theology and and get frustrated, let me bring some clarification. Sometimes we just blame the devil. It's the devil's fault. It's all his fault. Listen, I believe in the scriptures. We have a clear common enemy. He is the devil. He roams around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Um, He is a liar, he is a deceiver. I'm not doing away with what the scriptures say he is. But sometimes, do we maybe just give the devil a little too much glory for the problem or the decision that you or I made? Let me just put it in this way. I cannot blame the devil when I'm late to my appointment. Maybe I just gotta get better at time management. Let me just say this, here's a theological term for you. He is not omnipresent, meaning he cannot be everywhere at all times. Only God could be everywhere at all times. The devil cannot be everywhere at all times. Um, if you've hit a ton of red lights, we can't just, oh, it's the devil's fault. When my daughter, 18 months old, the most beautiful little coconut child on the planet, she's a coconut because she's brown on the outside, but she's white on the inside. And um, when she's frustrated and when she's just mad because I won't let her watch Disney Plus because they've conquered the world for $15.99 a month and Elsa and Anna. Frozen, man. It's the F word in my house. Frozen. When she throws a tantrum, if I simply give her the iPad, I'm not addressing the real issue here. I'm causing maybe more of a problem I can't just blame the devil in that moment. Notice what happens in the story though next. Exodus, or excuse me, previous, Exodus 14, 13. Pastor Morgan touched on this. The Israelites are terrified. They're worried. Pharaoh's coming. The chariots are coming. Moses says this, man. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I think in the darkest moment, these people are uh, obviously experiencing their greatest opposition, but we know, but God shows up. Can I just say this? If you're ever reading the scriptures and you see a but, a big but, God's about to do something. There's always, every time there's a but in the Bible, you're like, yeah, what a dad joke, you're a youth pastor. Every time there's a but, God is about to do something. Notice this. Here it says, Exodus 15, verse 10. But you, Lord, blew with your breath, and the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in mighty waters. But you, my God, you, Lord, you are the one in the midst of opposition, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your setback. What if our language began to say, but you, God, you, God, bring the deliverance. You, God, bring the advancement. What if we begin to thank God from the beginning before we ever reach the end? Thank you, God. The diagnosis says cancer, but God, you're my healer. Thank you, Lord. My marriage is struggling, but God, you can restore it. Come on, somebody! Thank you, God. The story is not over; it is not finished. But, God, we must not choose to glorify Pharaoh, the problem, the enemy. We we glorify God. The second person who could have received glory. Are you guys with me? Are we alive? could have been Moses look at your neighbor and tell him Moses look at the neighbor you ignored and tell him you look good today that would be awkward if it was someone you've never met before Um, and it's not your spouse or significant other got you notice the reaction of Moses the minute the Lord parted the Red Seas look what Moses says Moses could have very easily, by the way, just said, look what I did. God did it through me. I'm the anointed one. i parted the Red Seas. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Look what he says in verse 15. One. Look how he starts the song of deliverance. He says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. I'm not a big football guy, but I would assume this. This is the fourth quarter. This is the final play. Moses is the quarterback. He could have just thrown the ball, thrown the touchdown, game over. Thank you, Moses. Glory to Moses. God God worked in Moses. He was the leader. Think about this. He was the main communicator between the Israelites and God. He had such an intimate relationship with God. He would audibly hear and listen to God, yet his reaction shows us his real character. He says this, I will sing to the Lord. God, you just performed one of the mightiest miracles. What is his response? Praise and worship. They grabbed their Hillsong album, blasted that thing, and just said, Lord, send revival. They just praised and worshiped. He wanted to worship in front of everyone to display the glory of God. It's really easy to give ourselves glory and credit. Yes, I'm not... uh, tearing down your accomplishments your accolades might i suggest this we as christians are called to live to excellence i believe that we're called to thrive and and work hard and work unto the lord but might i begin to suggest our accomplishments and our achievements are actually not our own the promotion you recent recently received maybe that was a gift from god your communication skills that have been sharpening. Maybe that's the Lord giving you some more wisdom. Maybe you and your spouse are figuring out how to parent. Maybe that's God pouring out on you. Maybe you've been suffering an addiction and you suddenly broke free and you said, well, I broke myself of this addiction. Maybe it's God who delivered you from that addiction. Maybe it's God who gave you the wisdom and the strength. Maybe you've been very generous in this season. Maybe God is the one who's been pouring out finances on you. Maybe how you lead your team or your organization you could say, well, I've read all the John Maxwell books. Maybe it wasn't just reading Maxwell books. Maybe it's God's insight coming into your life. Might I suggest this? All of our achievements, all of our accolades come from the Lord. He's the one who gives the gifts. The scriptures say he is a father. He desires to give good gifts to all his children. Maybe if you want to be praying more for wisdom, that God, guess what? He would love to grant you wisdom. Maybe God will give you discernment, insight. God is the one who gets all the glory. God is the one who conquers and provides. It all comes from him. We cannot take credit. This building is not the credit of us. It's not the credit of our pastor. It's the credit that God had to move some mountains and he used us as his vessels to complete the assignment. When God intervenes, anything can happen, man. Anything. He takes the ordinary. And he makes it extraordinary. He takes the natural. He makes it supernatural. That's why I love, when I read my word, I think, I remember this, Lord, I will not boast in my strength. Each time he said this, my grace is all you need. If I'm about to boast, I'm about to boast about my weakness because in that, the power of God will work through me and people will look to God. Band, you could come on up. We're almost done. The last person who ultimately obviously gets the glory could have been Moses, could have been the problem. Or excuse me, Pharaoh could have been the problem, could have been Moses the leader, whoever it was the last person we know ultimately does get the glory is God the victor. God the victor. Exodus 15 verse 2 says this, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God, I will exalt him. No, Notice verse 11. This is like the greatest diss track ever written. Who is like you among other gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. This is Moses singing out saying, there is no other God. These gods are a joke. They're not God. I don't know about you, I haven't lived too long on this earth, but I've, I've discovered this. I have turned multiple times to all these different forms of God or gods, excuse me. I've turned to other gods, little g gods. I have the God of success, the God of pleasure, the God of uh, uh, just fulfillment, the God of science, the God of you name it. I've turned to it I've experienced it. I've put my hope in it. Might I add this? Every time I've put my hope in it, it is flawed. Humanity is flawed. We're not perfect. We will always let someone down. A little G God will not always work. They will always fail you. You might enjoy success for a season, but that season will come to an end. You might enjoy pleasure for a season, but that season might come to an end. These little g-gods do not compare. They will always fall short. Can I get real for a moment? Is that okay? I was um, 18 years old. I graduated from Jackson High School here in Mill Creek. And uh, okay. I mean, I'm happy, too, but I'm not, like, telling everyone I graduated from there. Uh, And I was 18, and it was the first time in my life, and I don't use this term lightly. I really was going through depression. Um, All my friends had graduated. I stayed here, went to a community college, which I just wasn't excited about. I had no vision for my life, no purpose. Um, I didn't have good enough grades to really get into any other colleges. Um and I had a real identity crisis. I started asking, who am I? Who am I becoming? What am I going to do with this life? I don't, what am I going to do when I'm 30? I, I don't know. And I, I started seeing a therapist and a counselor and praise God, that started helping and working. And I'll never forget though, I came to like a moment where I just thought, God, I'm done, I'm done. I grew up going to church with my mom, but my mom's church, the services were about five to six hours long. And after service, you had to go to Sunday school for two hours. So after service, um, as a child, I used to hide in the trunk of my mom's van and play game boy. So I didn't have to go to Sunday service or <laughs> uh, Sunday school. But uh, I don't forget. I got on my knees one night. It was November 2009. I got in my room and I just said, Lord, if you're real, prove yourself to me. In that prayer, I already acknowledged that obviously there is a God. You must be real. I said, God, prove it. The very next day, I was working, um, I worked through high school and through early college at a place called, back in the day, you might remember it, probably not, Hollywood Video, um, where we used to rent movies, actually. They were these things called DVDs, and people loved them. And they used to come in, and we used to charge them too much for it, and they would borrow it for four days, and we charge them again for it. And um, i never forget, the very next day at work, I got invited to church. My, my manager, he said, you want to come to church with me this Sunday? And I, and I was like, dude, I'm, I, would, I will burn up in flames if I walked into your church. He goes, no, come in, come in. And I said, well, do you guys have any cute girls? Before Ariel. This is all before Ariel. And he said, oh yeah, we got plenty. I said, all right, I'm in. Um, show up to church on Sunday. This is different. People are wearing jeans. <laughs> the pastor is tattooed preaching about David and Goliath. We're in this tiny building on Ash Way, it's crammed. I'm looking around hoping there's a girl come to find out anyone over age of 19 is already engaged or married. So I'm like, whatever. Weird, okay. Pastor starts preaching. I felt like, okay, I could dig this, this is cool. Worship is playing, uh, the band is called Worship and they're playing like this type of rock music that glorifies God, I'm like, this is cool. So I just kept going back. Uh, over time, I felt accepted. I didn't feel judged. I felt loved. I felt like I finally had somebody figuring out who I was. And I'll never forget. It was February 2010. I'm standing in service. And it was during worship, and I just, I, I just put my, my arms out, and I just said, God, I didn't know how to pray. And I just said, God, I, I give up. I give you my life. I don't want to live like this anymore. I I give you my life. And in that moment, this is the glory, the manifested presence of God. I felt someone hugging me, like really tight. I felt like my lungs were getting tight. I was struggling to breathe. Started like getting these weird like goosebumps and chills. I was like, oh, what is going on? This is... And the entire time I thought, someone's hugging me. This is weird. Why are they holding on to me? What kind of church is this? So I opened my eyes to see who's holding me. There was nobody there. It was the presence of God. I felt valued. I felt loved. I felt all my setbacks, all my shortcomings in that moment. I just felt released. I felt like the weight of the world just came off. I will say this, I still struggled a little bit, but in that moment I realized God is my victor. I started serving at that church. I asked to be a youth leader. They said, no, you've never read the Bible. And I said, well, can I just come? And they said, sure start going every Wednesday night as a 19-year-old praising God. I was praising God next to like a 13-year-old Jay girl. I'm praying and she's praying over me and people are praying over me all the time. And I started leaving work early on Wednesdays. I'd come in. I just wanted to stack chairs and clean bath. I'd do whatever it takes to just be in the presence of God. Because once you taste and see the presence of God, what you want to do is be in the presence of God always. And I didn't understand yet at that moment who the Holy Spirit was and how he's always with us and in us and And I I started serving at this place. God opened more doors. I became an intern. God opened more doors. I met a girl. God opened more doors. We got married. God opened more doors. We had a baby. God opened more doors. He put us in a youth ministry. God opened more doors. We're seeing the largest attended services we've ever had. Why? Because of the glory to God, not to us, but God can take anybody. God can take anything. God can take any moment and get the victory for it. He can take depression. He can take anxiety. He can take isolation. And God can lift up lift up the name of Jesus and bring victory where there is none. God can do it. But the story does not end there. Jesus is on earth. He knows his time is coming. He gets crucified on a cross, murdered in broad daylight for the setbacks and the shortcomings of you and I. He takes the weight of the world on him dies on the cross, but we don't serve a little G God. We serve a big G God. He rose again on the third day, came out of the tomb, risen Savior, and now lives with us and in us and through us. This is the God we serve. Who can compare to our God? No God. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? We're going to end here in a moment. Exodus 15, 18 says this, the Lord will reign forever and ever. Moses declared that the Lord will reign. God does not stop. God does not change. His nature is consistent. He is who he said he is. What I want to do today is I just want to give God the glory. The God who rescued the Israelites has rescued you. The God who cares about you cares about the Israelites. That same God is ready to Can we just begin to thank God where we're at? Let's begin to praise God where we're at. Come on, church. Begin to celebrate who He is. The victory is God. Come on. Over your addiction. Let's go.